Okay, Right then, everybody. Uh, so, uh, a couple of things. Today's a big lesson because um, uh, we will be covering a particular subject, which is uh, uh, very rare actually in LP, from beginning to end, a particular issue where we want to clock it all, all in today's actual session. And that is the issue of the one who has missed their prayers when they were younger. There's not a single person that I know, certainly from our generation and those, those older, that do not have this question to answer. They've got to deal with it. The younger generation um, and so on, uh, we pray that they're protected from that and that's how we try to raise them so they don't have to deal with this issue. But the majority of us have this issue. So we want to try and understand what is the actual... Yani, how do we deconstruct this, this, this situation? The reality is clear and how do we break it down? So that's what's going to be today's uh, uh, session. Hopefully, hopefully... We'll take it from the beginning and come to a conclusion as well today, inshallah. All right. Uh, but before that, I wanted to make sure that we, uh, you know, box off anything from last week. And um, so, if you have you have got some questions on last week, then go ahead. Um, the qu- <laughs> I have to laugh because uh, uh, I want to report. I want to report that Sheikh Walid Al Basuni. Okay, Hafidahullah Ta'ala wa ra'ah bottled it. I just want to say that to the camera because I'm going to send him this clip. Okay, he completely bottled this question, right? And he kept making excuse after excuse after excuse to try and answer it. And the question, of course, is the one that we were, uh, we spent, I think, one hour trying to debate last week, yes? <laughs> and uh, it's very interesting, subhanAllah, um, that, and I'll tell you what, I, what, what result I got. So let's remind ourselves of that question. Yeah? The question was, we have a person who... What was the question again? <laughs> he starts his prayer, and then he loses the purity. So, he so, so, he, he, so, so, so it's Maghrib time. Maghrib has entered. He starts the Maghrib Salah, and then he passes wind, for example. He... he after a unit? After oh, yeah, yeah, because we want to get all of Yanni doubts out. So he's done one whole unit. He's done one whole unit, right? And then he breaks his uh, wudu. Therefore, his salah is invalidated. We will agree on that, okay? And then he goes off to make wudu. The emotional trauma of the moment, yes, <laughs> means that he doesn't get back onto the musalla immediately, Right? So he says to himself, well, Maghrib has, Isha is an hour and a half away, I've got plenty of time. So I've made my wudu and I'll come back to the salah in some half an hour, an hour later, whatever. After half an hour, something happens to him. And he loses consciousness. Okay? He faints. He then comes round the next day. He then comes round the next day. That's the scenario in front of us. The questions to answer now. 
Number one, what happens to the prayers that were, uh, not, well, that's the only question really, is what happens to the prayers that were in between? Him waking up, let's say he wakes up at Dhuhr time, then we said that it is the position of the school and it's the position of his class that the Isha prayer and the Fajr prayer are not obligated upon him and neither does he need to make them up because he was not conscious at the time that they were obligated upon a person. It's like he wasn't there. Okay, and that is a well-known principle, and we'll be coming to discuss this later in detail as well. Okay, there still will be any mileage in this issue, but that's not actually what we're talking about at this moment in time. What we've been talking about is what about the prayers that he was aware for, aware and awake for, right? So that's the maghrib prayer. So does he now need to make up this maghrib prayer? Okay, that was that was the issue, right? Yeah, the question was because in the maghrib time. Because he lost his consciousness within the time. Within the time. So does he have, according to the position, he don't have to do the salah. He doesn't have to. Yes, correct. So let's just go. Let's go. Let's go and look at what the scholars said before we realize what the problem is. Yes. So the problem. So the so the so the Hanbalis and the Hanafis, they have no problem here. They have. Are they saying what? He has to make that prayer up again, and the reason for that is because. After a few minutes had gone by into Maghrib time, it was obligated upon him. It was completely obligated upon him, whether he did it or didn't do it, whether he started it, whether he didn't. It's very simple and straightforward. Then there is a second opinion, which is the opinion of Shaykh Uthaymin. Now, their opinion is that you need to pray one full unit. And as long as you have prayed one full unit, then you've caught the prayer. And as long as there is enough time to have prayed a full unit, then the prayer is obligatory upon you. That is therefore, so according to opinion one, opinion two, which covers the majority of the scholars, you have to pray. Happy with that? However, our class position, which is also very similar to what Ibn Taymiyyah's position is, is that a person who has within the prayer time an opportunity to pray a prayer, it is not obligatory upon that person to make up that prayer if he or she comes across a legal impediment to not pray, i.e., so if there's half an hour left until Maghrib finishes and he faints, he doesn't have to pray because he's not guilty of anything. He had half an hour to pray. It's not his problem that he fainted. If a woman is pure and then she starts menstruating half an hour before Isha and she had the full intention, I'm going to pray in about 10 minutes. Yeah, I've got, I've got a good 20 minutes left. I'm going to pray in 10. So that's fine. Okay. And then she starts menstruating. We say she does not need to make up that prayer because she had the legitimate excuse. Yes? That's the, that's the reminder of thinking. However, you guys then said to me that if this guy, in this scenario, you should just rule on it like you rule upon the class position. It doesn't need to be made up. He had time to pray, he intended to pray, and then he, you know, he, 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 he fainted and what's the problem? And I said to you guys, fi qalbi shay. Yes, I said to you that I'm not comfortable with this. There's something which is causing me unease. And then we went uh, around the houses and we had a discussion. Now, I just want to, just for the sake of gloating and everything and all that kind of thing, because this could be victory or it could be disaster. You don't know. I just want to know who also had something in their heart about the issue. So uh, at least you're glad that... Uh, come on, bro. Yeah. Okay, khalas then. So there's oh, those two of us versus the rest of you lot. Yes? All of you lot were saying, why can't you understand... The, the game is over. Yeah, and in the class position, you're the one who said it, the class position, like Usman Sahab, Bir Sahab, is very adamant. 
absolutely he has to make up this prayer. Yes? Sorry, sorry, sorry. He said, absolutely don't have to make up the prayer. He's got a legitimate excuse. As I said, Sheikh Walid bottled it, which proves that he's also not clear. He's on your side. Take him. He take him. He's yours. Because I asked Sheikh Gihlan the same question. <laughs> oh my God, it was one of the funniest phone calls ever. He's like, huh? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I said, Sheikh, I put on my Pir Sabhat, Usman Sabhat. I said, why is it not, Yani? Why is it not clear? <laughs> I was saying, why is it not clear? He doesn't have to pray. But Sheikh goes, but he started. I said, Sheikh, I said that as well, but they don't like it. He goes, but he started. I said, that's what I said as well, Sheikh. He goes, but he started. And I said, Sheikh, that's what I said as well. Um, actually, <laughs> what then Sheikh did is that he justified for himself, Yani, that he doesn't have to pray again, and he justified for himself that he does have to pray again. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't, Yani, you know, come to a position. In the end, he has come to my, my position. And, um, and that is that you do not need to pray again. Okay? Uh, in line with what Ibn Taymiyyah said and so on and so forth. However, and I want to make it very clear that just as I feel personally that the safest position would be that that person would make up that prayer, and there's a reason for that. And like I said to you guys, it goes back down to the issue of what is the ruling upon a person when they start any act of worship. Remember we opened that chapter, we started to talk about that. And I said to you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا أَعْمَالَكُمْ Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not invalidate your actions. What does that mean? Do not invalidate your actions. It means carry on with them. Yeah, and if, see them through. Okay? And I mentioned to you as well that some of the fuqaha, they said that when you start something, it's obligatory to continue. Such as, for example, the Malikis, they consider that if a person has started his sunnah and the jama'ah has started, okay, then we know that the position is, is that there, the hadith is very clear. There are no two prayers at the same time. There are no two prayers at the same time. So you've got to join that prayer. Now, how do the Hanafis and the Malikis justify the fact that, yeah, because you see, you see these people who don't study, they like, you know, they go nuts at the Hanafis. They said, how dare you, yeah, carry on praying, yeah, you know, all that sunnah, and we're praying the salah, and so on. And actually, and the hadith is so clear, right? And the answer is, is because they try to marry between the two, which is actually the methodology of any normal scholar, that when you have two contradicting evidences, you first attempt to try and reconcile, and if not, then you make tarjih, you preponderate one of them, make one yani the final position. And they basically said that once you start an action, you shouldn't finish it. Okay? And once you started that act of ibadah, especially as this act of worship, then you should continue it all the way through, which is a fair point. Okay? I mean, we would say that uh, however, there has to be an exception to that. And there will always be exceptions that even the Hanafi school will accept. In any case, going back to our question, and that is that I believe that uh, overall, that this particular scenario, even if, you know, if, if, his, if he hadn't started the prayer, if he hadn't started the prayer, then he wouldn't have had to make it up. But because he did actually start it, I think that it is a unique scenario, one of those yani, outliers, random weird scenarios, and it's safer for him to make up that prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah? But it was a really good exercise of fiqh and the way that we threw it back and forth and 
you know, had some fun with that. Okay, any other questions about anything? Yes. Just on that, you know, if you say, well, I talk to the Amal from yep. the island, I mean, saying from the Hadith, maybe it's apparently convicting. Yep. So, how can we use that for this example? Because this example is to do with he cannot continue his worship because he has passed the wind or anything in the Salah. Yep. He has to leave that. But on the other side, you are praying the Sunnah and the Jama'at side, and then you have to leave that. But that is two different. So the issue, uh, I agree, the, the using of this hadith as a principle to finish off sunnah is, is its own thing. I was just giving you an example of how it's applied. I agree that over here, it is a completely different scenario. But what isn't different is the basic principle that, that I mentioned yesterday, uh, last week, that is almost as if, okay, that this person... Uh, and I used, uh, you know, remember last week we also covered the issue of taklif, yes? And I said taklif, the person who prays and is Muslim is called a mukallaf, which means that he takes taklif upon himself. Now that means that in a way, ibadat, life, worshipping Allah is taklif. Now no one would honorably say that. It's like you're kind of, it's an insult to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to say that you're putting something like a burden upon us. But technically speaking, it is a burden. Right, it's something that you've got to carry. It is a hassle. It's hard work. And hey, you embrace it and you say hard work gets good results, and that's what we're in it for. Yeah, and that's what you just got to accept. Now, a a we, we basically said that if a person did not pray, yeah, he gets away with it. But if he does pray, he's almost being punished by having to make it up. Then, if something was to happen, but you could twist it and you could say that taklif is only a technical reality. Salah is a light and a nur and a blessing. And therefore, actually, this person has been blessed by, by inducing into himself the belief that I now have to make this prayer up. Because I started it, I blessed myself, and I should... I, I've, I've, it's almost like he's given the opportunity, and he was very fortunate enough to be able to pray. Yeah, and you can't compare between the, the blessing of a person... You can't compare between the blessing of a person who tried to pray and then was prohibited from praying or prevented from praying, and a person who didn't pray, and even though he's legitimately okay, but was prevented from praying. You can't say those two people are the same. You can't say they achieved the most out of their maghrib time. One person yeah, he did an obligatory act of worship, even if he failed in that attempt. Yes? And so therefore, maybe we can switch it and say, it's not even an issue of burden. This guy was lucky enough to be able to enter the prayer, and therefore he's being allowed. And, and you'll understand this now after today's lesson. Okay? Because some of the scholars you'll see do not even allow you to make up that prayer that you've missed uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And you know what they're going to argue? You know what they're going to argue? They say you don't deserve to make it up. You don't, you don't deserve it. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you the gift of the prayer and you, yani, and your idiocy and your laziness and whatever said, no, I can't pray or I didn't wake up, whatever, whatnot. And you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is yani, giving charity, second chance, three chance, yani, pray again. No, no, you don't deserve it. In fact, no, no, you don't deserve it, we're not going to let you pray. And in fact, if you pray now, it's invalid, invalid. How about that? It's a complete change of paradigm, right? And so that's, that, that, that's what I want to say. Maybe it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, uh, uh, you know, is saying that on the next day, I'll let you take this prayer. And that's a blessing. Oh, that's a blessing. Again, it's about what lens you're wearing, right? Are you seeing this whole thing as yani, a problem or are you seeing this as a good result? Yeah? Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Uh, I'm not too clear. If a person is saying Sunnah 
and before you start. Yes. Does it stop? So the ruling. Let me just deal with this. Okay. If a person, if a per- if a person is in a masjid, okay, um, and the iqama is given, okay, I want to make some differentiation between different things here. The iqama being given is a command for the people to get themselves ready to pray. The takbirat al-ihram is the start of the congregation. The hadith of the Prophet that said, uh, he prohibited from two prayers at the same time. Meaning that when the prayer is established by the Prophet another person should not be praying. So, therefore, how do we deal with it? How do we, how do we, how do we deal with this? Practically speaking, the, the, the response by a person should be based upon following things. First of all, does the hadith mean that a person cannot be involved in two prayers exactly at that very second, meaning at the exact second that that, that the takbir starts, then you have to break your prayer? Does that mean? And some people took it literally like that, and that's the safest position. That's the safest position. And therefore, according to this safest position, if a person is praying sunnah, he would just break it, he would walk off from that prayer, and he would then join the jama'ah. That's one opinion. The other opinion, which is that which is followed by the majority of scholars actually, is that the hadith indicates a state and an intention. So a person cannot intend to, I know, I'm going to continue with my prayer regardless, and because I've started it. And the other prayer, the, the obligatory prayer, which is, start, which is done, well, you know what, that started, and if I make it, I make it, if I don't, I don't. It's all about my prayer, okay? You see, that is something which is not allowed. They said that hadith is, that's what it means. Therefore, if a person is praying his sunnah and he's very clear that I am definitely going to make this prayer because this is what the hadith says and we can't be praying two prayers at the same time so I'm going to get rid of this one as quick as I possibly can and I get into that one, then it's going to be okay. And the majority of the fuqaha, and they're not ahl hadith now, we're talking about ahl ra'i, the people who try to reconcile yani, using their aql more, they say that this is the correct position. Now, that then splits into different positions. If you've now accepted that you do not immediately need to then go and join that congregation, when do you need to go? So then they differed. So the Hanafi position is that as long as you are able to catch the last shahud of the prayer, the last like few moments of the prayer, then you carry on and finish your prayer. Because at least you caught the prayer. Okay? The majority don't accept it like that. What the majority said is that as long as a person is closer to finishing this prayer that he's in as opposed to starting it. So for example, if it's a two-unit fajr is the most common one. Two sunnah of fajr you're praying. And this person is in the first rak'ah and he's still in fatiha. He's miles away from finishing it. Miles away. So he should now come out of the prayer and join the jama'ah. However, if the person is in the second rak'ah in ruku' for example, then he's only... 50 seconds off finishing this prayer. Yeah? Or he's in a sajda. He's only 30 seconds off, miss, off finishing the prayer. And even I will argue if a person is in the surah of section of the second rak'ah, he cuts reading the surah. Surah is not obligatory anyway. And he finishes the prayer quickly and so on. Another example is that it's based upon the masjid. If you know the masjid, some masajid, as you know, they fulfill the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, which is that the iqamah is just the start of preparing the prayer. So the iqamah is given and the imam goes and checks the rows and he makes sure they're all straight, which is the sunnah. Okay? And therefore you know that when the iqamah starts, I've still got like a good minute, two minutes to finish this prayer. 
Okay? Whereas you might be in a, in a Hanafi mosque, or specifically a Diobandi mosque, and you know that they are so on it, that if you might have even seen this, that the Imam is saying, uh, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, La ilaha illallah, Imam goes Allahu Akbar, before even La ilaha is finished. There's a reason for that, which will come to, yani, when we come to takbir, okay? And you know therefore that when this iqamah is going off, and you're in that mosque, yeah? If you're not quick, you're going to miss the whole prayer. You know what I'm saying? So your whole attitude is different. And therefore you might break early. So it's a case-by-case basis. My position, my position, when it comes to this, is that a person should not break his prayer immediately. He should judge the situation as it is. Take into account where he is, how long the iqamah is going to be, how long is it going to take people to get into lines, how long, etc., etc. Is it one of the longer prayers? Is it one of the shorter prayers? For example, if it's a maghrib prayer, my attitude will be different. If it's a fajr prayer, my attitude will be different. Like in this masjid, we know that we're going to get a clean page for the first rakah in Fajr, yes? We know in Maghrib we're going to get two, three lines, for example, yes? And so therefore I know that a Fajr, I've got a little bit of extra. I, I know this, I am no way going to allow myself to miss the first rukuah. Because I missed the rakah, that's a disaster. I've got to be trying to get in there, yeah? Um, and that's what I think is an acceptable position. person should try his best to finish off that which they started, because as I said... The Malikis and the Hanafis, they said that once you start an action, you should finish it. And the only time you shouldn't finish it is if you're really, really, there's going to be a real problem. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a principle which I think that you should uh, keep in mind. Okay? Any other questions concerning last week? Uh, 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 any missing points? No? Alright. So are we then at that Is that where we are? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So in English, how have I translated that? What does it say? Yeah, no, just tell me what it says, man. So, it is obligatory to immediately make up the missed prayer in order. It is obligatory to immediately make up missed prayers in order. In order, we're not covering today at all. Okay? In order is its own headache. Okay? So, we leave that to its, to, to, to decide. It is obligatory. So, here are the key phrases. The sentence here, وَيَجِبُ فَوْرًا قَضَاءَ الْفَوَائِدِ It is obligatory to make up the... Uh, it is obligatory to immediately make up misprayers. Three key focuses on this sentence. Obligation. That's the first word. The fact that it must be immediate. That's the second thing we need to study. And then the final thing is missed prayers. الْفَائِتَ جَمْعَ فَوَائِدِ الْفَائِتَ means misprayer. الْفَوَائِدِ is the, congr- uh, is the um, plural for misprayers. So that's the issue, okay? And the Hanbalis have made their, their stall clear. They've made their position clear. Like the Hanafis, like the Shafi'is, like the Malikis, indeed like the majority of the scholars. Yes, in each madhab, there's difference of opinion on this matter. However, it is correct to say that the majority of the fuqaha, the, major, the four imams, and the majority of scholars follow this position, this legal statement. That any missed prayer that you have missed, it is obligatory to make up. It doesn't disappear. It doesn't matter whether it was 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago. They need to be counted up and they need to be made up. And in next week's lesson, we're going to see how they are made up. Okay? According to the Hanbali Madhab. Alright? But now we need to discuss whether this is the correct position or not. First of all, I said, it's the position of the majority. What do they say? Al-wajib ma umra bihi ala lizam bil fi'l. And what's obligatory? Again, to remind us that it is that which has been obligated upon a person to do. Meaning that it is unacceptable for it not to be performed. Yes, a person will be rewarded for doing it and will be punished 
for not doing it. That's the de- legal definition of the wajib. Here's the key, fawran. Fawran means al fawr yani immediately. There is no space for any kind of delay. And we'll see why that is. And qada. The word qada. This is now the first time we're coming across this properly. Qada, as I said to you last week, is what packs full qaza. Yes? And qaza is, is, is when you've missed something. Delay. Uh, delay. It doesn't mean delay. It means when something has gone. Yani, and now you're dealing with it afterwards. Okay? So we, and that's why when we give qada, when a, when a qadi, he gives qada, he gives judgment on something which has already happened, or a reality which has happened. And qada is when you're making up for something which has passed already. Okay? Um, Sheikh Uthaymin says on page 136 in Sharh uh, al-Mumti'ah, uh, he says that um, that is the jama' of fa'ita. Mist is the word here. Every ibadah, he says, مُؤَقَّتَ خَرَجَ وَقْتَهَا قَبْلَ فِعْلِهَا He says, he says that any single act of worship which is time restricted and then its time expires is called afaita. Any act of worship that is time restricted and then its time expires, then it is called afaita, a missed act of worship. So that's obviously, it doesn't matter whether that's far, it doesn't matter whether that's nafal. It can be sunnah, it can be any act of worship. Okay? The sunnah of fajr, for example, is only prayed during the fajr time. The sunnah of dhuhr is only prayed during the dhuhr time. If it's missed, then it is a fa'ita of a nafil. Whether we make that up or not, yani we can come to maybe at the end or, or, to, or next week. Okay? Is it just prayer? No. Fasting is also possible. If a person doesn't fast in Ramadan, is it possible to fast outside of Ramadan? No. Ramadan is restricted. For, yeah, fasting is restricted in Ramadan. And there are other acts that are similar to this, which we will look at. Yes? Making up of the say the fajr, has to be making up at for the time or anything. That's what we're going to be discussing now. Okay. Okay. So the first the first issue is what's the evidence for obligating qada? Yani, why would we have to make something up? The evidence for this is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that who, who said manama ala salatin aw nasiha falyusalliha idha dhakaraha. That if a person he uh, falls asleep during a prayer time or he forgets it then let him pray it as soon as he remembers it. Then let him pray it as soon as he remembers it. Now let me just say that the soon is my own addition. Okay? Because the Arabic says, إِذَا ذَكَرَهَا When he remembers it. Okay? But if you, if you think about it, in the English there's no difference between the two. Is that? As soon as he remembers it, when he remembers it. Is there a difference? Or does soon indicate that when you remember, you've got to do it immediately? When this can be delayed. Yeah. On when you pray? You think so? Then let him pray it when he remembers it. So does that indicate to you that he's got some space? No. When he remembers it. Put your hands up if you think the following statement means to feels to you. That, that means immediately. Then let him pray it when he remembers it. Put your hand up if you don't think it suggests immediate. Because he could remember it for the third time. 
he forgot and then he remembered it again. Exactly. Sometimes, as soon as he remembers it, means that he remembers Wait again, hold on. Uh, do the first scenario again. <laughs> so as he remembers it. Yeah, so when he remembers it. Why can't I say the word remember? It's like the hardest word I've ever said in my entire life. Remembers it. I just want to remember it. Remember. 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 That's not. Is that why I'm getting it wrong? Why have I got that word wrong? I feel so flipping awkward, yeah? Remember. Remember, you mean? I think that's what people say in English. Hey, remember. I didn't even say the word, I just realised. Remember that? Isn't it? You said remember that? Is that slang? Remember that? I don't think I've ever said the R-E in the word remember. I remember, yeah. Yeah. Was that wrong, yeah? Probably bad English, yeah? Yeah, my English is getting worse, guess me. It's these kids. They bring my English down. Remember. Right, okay. Go on then. When he remembers. When he remembers it. Yeah. He could remember and then forget. He could remember and then forget. And then remember again. So it is a specific. What is that? Era? What is that? Yeah. When he remembers the first time. As soon as he remembers, there's, there's like a time allocated. As soon as he remembers, he prays. But when he remembers, I think he leaves it open. Yeah. I, so, I so when you say when he remembers, it's like okay, you've remembered. Now you have to try to get going and pray but when you say as soon as it adds a sense of urgency like you cannot do anything but do that yeah. whereas when you say when you remember you could make a quick phone call and then go the urgency is not there the urgency is not there that's what I mean whereas <laughs> 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 I think as soon as adds urgency dramatic effect yeah think about like do this when you remember Take your time. When you remember, then do this. But then, yeah, for example, that's, that's a different sentence, isn't it? Yeah, well, do this when you remember. When you remember. No, just, just, just. Yeah. If you tell your kids, do yeah. this when you get home. Yeah. Or you say, do this as soon as you get home. It's a big difference. Do this yeah. when you get home. Do this as soon as you get home. Yeah. Mm. But then again, like for example, when he gets home the first time, he still got home. There's no difference between him getting home and as soon as he gets home. No, no. I think the issue is so if you say when you remember. I can remember something in ten minutes time. Yeah. I have to keep remembering that for another 10 minutes. What? Remembering Remembering is not a continuous process. Yeah. Remembering is you remember, that's it. That was a touching moment. He just mentioned his private conversations with Baji and he just what he says to his wife, he said, I remember you all the time. You're a man, Yara. He's doing a private law, he's not remembering Baji anymore. What a guy, Yara, mashaAllah, man. We should all say that to our wives. And that remembering is a continuous process. But it's not, to be honest. <laughs> but we can just lie and just say it's a continuous process. Remember all the time. What's such a sweetheart, yeah. What a nice example. Back to the topic. Back to the topic at hand. If I remember at six o'clock, I remember at six o'clock. That's the time of me remembering. And that's, that's, that, 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 and, and that's it, isn't it? Yeah, but the it's the same. What with soon? It's almost like 
when you have a sentence and you add an adjective, it's just more effect. They yeah. mean the same thing. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that's what you would do in Arabic. When we have يعني, the hal, for example, in an Arabic sentence, okay, it adds that urgency or that intensity or whatever. So soon is one of the, as you said, is an adjective, which is hal, effectively, in Arabic. Um, uh, state, I mean. Yeah, okay, so maybe I should take that soon out because, I don't, because it's not there in the hadith. Is, is that what they mean, though, straight away? Well, this is what we're going to discuss. But if it is, then you want to keep it there. No, 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 no. But I'm, no, but I'm saying what I'm saying is that what I'm, what I'm saying. Look, the hadith doesn't say that. That let me make it clear. I'm, that's why I'm going so. Yani, we're spending such a time on this. Faliyusalliha ida zakaraha. Then let him pray it when ida zakaraha. He remembers it. That's the exact translation of that phrase. Okay. Look, look, look. Man. Whoever falls asleep on a prayer. Yeah, and that means didn't wake up for it. That means yeah, he fell asleep whilst waiting for it. It doesn't matter. Okay? Or he forgets it. Then let him pray soon. Well, I see, I keep saying soon. Because that's the position of the majority. Okay? Then let him pray it immediately. And, and uh, that is, of course, the, the, the humbly position. They're making it very clear that, that they, they see this as immediate. And in fact, the majority of scholars see it as immediate. We're going to have a discussion on this, whether it really is immediate or not. But just one second. Okay? The focus for us is to, to, uh, to establish what? The obligation of qada. And in Arabic, fal yusalliha fal, fa and the lamb. The lamb is a, what we call, yani a tool of ob- obligating something. So it's an actual, yani an obligation, this phrase. Then he must make it up when he... Remembers, okay. Well, so this is a now uh, the, the ibadah that is upon him, it is upon his head. In actual fact, it's a dain, it's a debt. And this evidence comes from another hadith of the Prophet. A woman came to the Prophet and he asked him, Shall I make hajj for my mother? Shall I make hajj? For my mother. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Do you not see that if there was a debt upon your mother, that you would make it up? That, and if there was a debt, that you would make it up? Then uh, 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 make it up for the sake of Allah. Allah is more deserving of having his debts paid. Okay? Okay? Make it up for the sake of Allah. Allah is more deserving of having his debts paid. And this hadith is narrated by Imam al-Bukhari, hadith number 1752. Okay? Is that clear? So these are the two base evidences for making up the prayer. There's no issue of time, there's no whatever. Number one, it said that and if you miss a prayer, then when you pray it, sorry, once you become aware of it, pray it. And number two, that a woman came and asked about hajj, and she was uh, of her mother who didn't make the hajj, and she died. Okay, the Prophet ﷺ told her to make it up, make it do, do it for her, and that's what's called Hajj Badal. Yes, Hajj Badal. When you do a Hajj upon someone else. Now, I just want to talk about this issue of Fawran. Okay, um, this Fawran, I myself, I have to say, 
that I followed the position of Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti on this. And the majority of scholars are of the, of the opinion that this is very clear and it needs to be done immediately. Because the hadith says that. However, if you remember a hadith that we've been covering in quite a lot of detail over the last couple of months, or certainly in, the, in year four, is the hadith of Bilal. The hadith when the Prophet ﷺ, he went to sleep and he didn't wake up. Remember this hadith? Yes? And they were outside, they were on a journey. He didn't wake up. Who else didn't wake up? Bilal he didn't wake up. In actual fact, you can remember the conversation. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? What happened? Who woke up first? The Prophet ﷺ woke up first. What did he say? Huh? No, no, no. Before that? Before that? Before that, what did he say? It's a very funny statement, actually. He didn't, but the, the, what was said to him was funny. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? He went to Bilal. And he said, what's happened here? <laughs> and what did Bilal say? You don't remember what he said? Come on, man. He said, the same thing happened to me, which happened to you. <laughs> yeah, and he, the, the sleep overtook me. Yeah, and he, you know, something had obviously happened. They were very, we know actually it was a day of battle the, the day before. Very long, they were very, very tired. But everyone basically slept all the way through. Okay? What happens next in the hadith? Who can remember? The person told them to just move. Because time to give the the time to the time of Was it? Did he tell them to make wudu and pray? Correct. Correct. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. And then he actually said in the full riwayah of the hadith, because this is a mawdi' or muwatin al-shaytan. Yani it is an area of the devil. And there's something wrong here. Okay? There's a negative influence in this area. And we believe that, by the way. We believe in good times and bad times, good places and bad places. We believe that prayer in a masjid is more blessed than playing, praying at home. We believe that praying at the Kaaba is better than praying at, you know, whatever, your local masjid. We believe that there are certain uh, places where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has punished previous nations. We have hadith very clear that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would come to these areas, then he would tell the companions, speed through. So they'd be riding and he would say, increase the speed, so they would speed through. So there is this idea that there are problematic areas. We know, well, we'll come to learn, that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the prayer in certain areas. So we're not allowed to pray in a graveyard. We're not allowed to pray in toilets. We're not allowed to pray in the muatan um, al yani pens of the camels and so on. And swords, and yeah, in different places. Yes? So we know that the area that we're in has an impact upon the person. So that's something to remember. And so here he knows, and we know that specifically when it comes to the prayer and missing the prayer, we know that shaitan has a role in that. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said the hadith about shaitan urinating in the ears of someone who is uh, becoming lazy and not waking up for fajr on time and so on and so forth. So there's a satanic influence as well. The first thing the Prophet ﷺ, he did was to, let's get out of here because this is not the right place. Okay? Now, then they made wudu, then the adhan was made, then the sunnah was prayed, then the two units were prayed. My question, what happened to Fawran here? The hadith yani, is clear. The hadith says that the Prophet said that let him pray as soon as he remembers it. Yes? 
Yeah. Would you not argue that he only delayed that for that time because of this area that he was... That's what the majority of the scholars responded with. All of the fuqaha, they basically come back and they said, no, but this is, there's an illa for this. There's a specific reason. It's like, it's like, and, and they would, and I will argue on their case, I can't remember them saying this, but they would say that what if a person did sleep, okay, and overslept and he missed the fajr, and he wakes up and he's in a state of janaba now as well. Yes? So if he's now missed the prayer and he's junab, you're not going to say, right, you're going to have to make tayammum immediately and you've got to pray immediately. We're going to say, okay, you've got time now to go and have a shower and make ghusl, make the niyyah, make the ghusl, and then come out, isn't it? And then there's going to be, you know, a person, uh, uh, there's a difference between, for example, uh, uh, again, you're going to come to learn that there's, there, there's difference in how urgent we want this. If it's urgent, urgent, then for a male, it's permissible to pray in a towel that he's in. Yes? So a, a towel that's covering his aura from navel, navel to knee, bam, smack, smack, smack out the prayer because it's so urgent, right? But the scholars, did they say that? No, they're giving the time for this person to maybe go and you know, go to the wardrobe, choose different clothing, this, that. That could add another four or five minutes. So what I want to say is that myself personally, I am actually sympathetic. I am sympathetic. I, I believe, I believe that uh, this hadith, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ, he uh, moved, I think, yes, there is a strong argument there to say that it was because of the devil. But then I also want to say to you that it is not possible for us to know where the devil is or not is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, how do we know? And if we miss the prayer in a certain place, we can't, I mean, is the, the bed the place of the devil? We can't pray in the, in the bedroom? We've never seen that before. We've never seen any of that mentioning. Was this something specific to the area? It could be argued. It could be argued. What's the conclusion? Yani, I think that it's safer to go by the position of the majority of the scholars. There's no doubt about it. Okay? That a person should not waste time. If he has a genuine reason to not pray immediately, okay? Like some kind of pressing reason, then I think... Yani, what, do I, what do I want to say? I want, I want you to use this hadith like a, like a joker card. Keep it in a pack, and that if there's a problem, you pull it out and use it. That's the best case kind of use of this hadith. So you should act in life and teach people and promote the position that a missed prayer should be made up immediately as soon as you become aware of it. However, at least you know in the background that if something happens in the future where there is a scenario where, you know, you just can't pray immediately or it's going to be inconvenient, yeah, and majorly inconvenient for you to pray that second, but maybe in about 20 minutes now I've missed it, I've missed it, but in 20 minutes I'll be in a much better position to pray and so on. I think that there's space for that. I would not consider this person to have done haram. Does that make sense? And I will just tell you something else as well, which Sheikh Ilan once taught me a long time ago. And he quoted Ibn Taymiyyah at that time, and I've not been able to find a reference for it since. That's very normal for Sheikh Ilan to do that, create stories about Ibn Taymiyyah. Every story he makes is about Ibn Taymiyyah. Half of them are not your true one, one little bit. Okay? Slander. I want you to make sure you record this point. Okay? Because today I challenged him on something. On Facebook the other day I challenged him. I wrote to Sheikh Ilan. <laughs> He wrote yeah, this big article about yeah, giving the adhan in the ear of the baby, yes? Something which I'm completely against, right? Sheikh <laughs> Ilan, he writes this article where he basically says, I think it's okay to not give the adhan in the ear of the baby and the hadith, which are all weak. Well, they're not that so weak, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I laughed my brains out because there is no one ever who is more strict on this issue. Every riwayah of the hadith he went through, it is so weak for the years and years. Okay, for years and years. I hope you make sure you send this to Sheikh Ilan. This is absolute 
quality material. This is make the, the top ten of all clips. For years and years, yani, he'd been saying this hadith, the three hadith, you know, it's about all of them weak. The one about yani, the iqama completely moldor, fabricated, so therefore it's not possible. It doesn't matter that the, 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 the salaf and so on, they did it, because they did. Some of the companions, uh, not the companions, some of the tabi'een, Umar ibn al-Aziz, for example, he did it, and so on, and so forth. But the other day, <laughs> the other day, okay, I, got up, I, I was teaching Fiqh Salah in Birmingham and I got a phone call from one of my friends, Kurdish friends. And he says, can you come down for my son's aqiqah? Actually, let me correct him. He said, can you come down to my son's haqiqah? <laughs> I said, I said, you Kurdis are like the packs. <laughs> All of them, yani, calling the aqiqah haqiqah. I said, aqiqah, ya walad. And he speaks Arabic, by the way. I go, aqiqah, man, you're Arab for crying out loud. So he goes, yeah, 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 aqiqa, aqiqa. I said, well, I'm in Birmingham, I can't come. I go, but I'm sure we'll be yani, happy. He, no, no, he goes, he's coming, he's coming. I said, well, that's good then. When I got back, Sheikh calls me the next day. And I go, so what's happening, this, that, whatever. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I went to Sardar's uh, uh, aqiqa. <laughs> so I said, too much aqiqa. He goes, it was a crazy experience. I said, why, what happened? He goes, well, I was there just yani, at the, at the, near, the, near the front. And they called me to the front of the stage. So I said, aqiqa. And then he goes, I've never seen anything like this in my life before. I go, what happened? He goes, then, then Sardar came with the newborn in front of all these people and said, can you make adhan in the kid's ear? And can you make yani, tahnik in his mouth? And can you do this? And can you do that? You know what? Hold on, let me just tell you this one second. Sheikh he goes, and he goes, I felt so much under pressure. I said, I said, shut up. <laughs> he goes, look, I felt under so much pressure. I go, no way. He goes, it was too much pressure. I go, I can't believe you, Sheikh. <laughs> Wallah, I can't believe you. He goes, I give that as that. I go, well, he goes, what's wrong with that anyway? <laughs> he goes, what's wrong with that anyway? So he goes, I made the adhan in the ear. Okay, I go, what about technique? Because I'm not down for that technique behavior either. I just want to say that, I, where was I? Where was I? You forgot the bit where he said no. One second, where was I when someone brought the kid and said, make technique, and I said no? He was here, I think. He here, in this masjid? He said in Birmingham, it was here. Oh, it he was here, okay, it was in Chido. Recently, I said, brother, no. I said, that's not the sunnah. And when his eyes about to start crying, I said, bro, I find someone down below. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> but I'm not down for that behavior. Anyway, so check this out. So first of all, he made the azan and he did. And he did, did, did you do it as well? No. Okay. I, uh, I, I think he did, you know. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, he threw everything out the window. <laughs> Sheikh, Allah, you threw everything out the window. Azan went, Aqama went. I said, no, you didn't do technique as well. He goes, no, no, I didn't do technique. He goes, what? I, he goes, he goes, what I will do, he goes, is that I will break it with my finger and then I'll put the finger in his mouth. I go, what's that? <laughs> I go, what's that? He goes, well, the, the issue is about putting the sweet in the kid's mouth. It's not about yani, the saliva. I said, I said, the hadith is about the saliva. I said, the hadith. Then he, <laughs> then he told me a story. I'm glad that I remember the story because you know, by next week, the story would have gone from my memory banks forever. He said that Sheikh Abdurrahman al Madani. Sheikh Abdurrahman al Madani is one of the senior Jamaat uh, al Hadith scholars in Pakistan. 
okay? Like proper senior, right? I think he's still alive, actually. And we're talking like the founders of the da'wah, senior kind of guy. And he said, he said Sheikh Kehlan said, that Sheikh Abdurrahman told him a story. He said, when, when Sheikh used to be in Pakistan, he goes, I went to visit Sheikh Al-Albani once. And Sheikh Al-Albani, he was in the Hadith uh, class. Okay? And now, I just want to just give you a little bit of introduction. This idea of tabarruk, okay, is a very, is a very vague concept. And it's controversial because obviously, you know, people could take it to a different level. Yes? We know that at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, that the people would be desperate to try and catch the remains of the Prophet ﷺ. But there's no dispute that the tabarruk of being blessed by the body or the touch or the water or the remains or the saliva or the hair or the comb or anything of the Prophet ﷺ is a consensus point of blessing amongst all the scholars in his lifetime. But then the people then lost the plot and then they started to, you know, say that I've got a 1,400-year-old hair and all this kind of nonsense, yeah, which is lie anyway. And then even if there was, you know, who knows? Anyway, the point is, is that there's been a difference of scholars after that about can you make tabarruk from the asalihin, okay? Here's the lot, as you know, yeah, all these boys and everyone, they, love, they live on that fact, yeah? The Brillos, they've created a whole industry about, yeah, I need tabarruk and, you know, uh, making them on the water and all that behavior. And what's the classic examples? And what? Water, oil. oil. What did they do with the oil? Oh, no. It's clean, you know, it's that guy that guy is back again. I saw him again making a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I saw the best for me. The best. I, I mean, I don't like all this behavior. I, I like it, but I like his amins. When he goes, amin, amin, amin. I'm like thinking, who's making a dua here, <laughs> bro? You're the one who's leading dua. We should be the guy saying amin, amin, amin. He's the guy saying amin, amin, amin. <laughs> No, no, but I get that. I, I don't mind yeah, the congregational dumb. <laughs> but I'm trying to work out what the heck's happening when, he's, he, when he says, right, I'm going to make dua. And he lifts his hands. So we all yeah, lift our hands. And he's the guy saying, Amin, Amin, Amin. That's his dua. That's his dua. What's that? I don't understand it. <laughs> That's the point. You're not meant to understand it. I don't know what's happening there. Yara. No, they said that they told... Bro, they brought him to make du'a for them. And he comes and he goes, right, you know what? I'm, I'm here for du'a, but you know what? I'm just going to say I mean to your du'as. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Anyway, the, I, the, by the way, Ahl Sunnah believe that, that, that Salihin have something special and there's difference of opinion on how far it goes and whatever. But some people, they take it seriously. Okay? Anyway, Sheikh Abdul Rahman al-Madani, he took it seriously. And he was with Sheikh al-Albani. And Sheikh al-Albani... Let me just... Yeah, so Sheikh al-Albani had a mouth infection. A tooth infection or something? Yeah, yeah, the bad fever, I think he said it. There's something that he had. Anyway, and when he said he had something, an infection in his mouth. What did he take from him? That's what I'm trying to think. I can't, I can't now, and, and, and I think even Sheikh himself is not clear about how this happened, but Sheikh Abdurrahman, Ya'ani, took something from Sheikh Al-Albani, Ya'ani, maybe, maybe he gave some, maybe Sheikh Abdurrahman, maybe, I'm, 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 I'm completely making this up now, I don't know what part, how it works. But maybe he had some medicine to help him. And so he put the medicine on for him yani in his mouth. And then it was left the saliva. And so he licked it himself. Okay? He licked it himself. 
And Sheikh Al-Albani said, what are you doing? He goes, Atabarak Salihin. You know, that's an understood concept. It's a bit kind of sufistic, crazy, and all the rest of it. But it's an understood concept. Anyway, here's the reason of the story. Sheikh Al-Albani said that Abdurrahman Al-Madani, who was relating the story, said, this was 15 years ago. He goes, for 15 years, I've had an infection in my mouth. <laughs> 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 That's an amazing story. He goes, I should never, ever have done it, ever. I should never do tabarruk. And, that, and that's why Sheikh Alain goes, I don't do technique. I don't do it now. He goes, I won't use my own saliva into the kid's yani mouth. I just want to say, by the way, I don't accept that at all. I don't think that anyone should make technique. There are three positions on technique. One that is specific to the Prophet and only he could ever have done it. Number two, that it is the act of the righteous and any of the righteous can do it. So there's four opinions, okay? No, no, there is three, yeah. Um, uh, that any of the righteous, good people, Hufadr, Quran, Salihin, Ulama, that kind of thing, okay? And number three, anyone can do it. And that the issue is about the sweetness, not about the who's doing it or the saliva. And I'm sure that you've seen medical proof to show that that boost of glucose does a good yeah, thing for newborn babies. And certainly in ICU units, you know, that's what you'd give, isn't it? If a baby is um, uh, pre-premature, uh, you'd give glucose anyway and so on and so forth. So uh, these are the three positions. I personally have always and always will follow the first opinion. That this was something specific to the saliva of the Prophet And I'm not going near any saliva of any righteous salihin. Okay, especially yeah, these days salihin. Okay. And as for the third opinion, obviously it doesn't come into the time into the into the picture at all. Anyway, anyway, right. So you remember that beginning point where I said that today we're going to cover a subject which will start at the beginning and it will finish, yeah. So obviously that was bittasarruf, as we say. This was like I was just being uh, 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 optimistic. optimistic, optimistic. Okay. Um, so let's just continue then. You're going to say Sheikh Kalas. So now that's it. He, that, that, that's his point. What on? Technique? No, on. Uh, so he skanked the technique. About praying, um, or like immediately. Oh no, I wasn't. But I mean, his position is that. His position is that, uh, 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 like I said, that if there is a reason, then at least it's there to not give a fatwa upon a person and say you did haram and you did even more kufr. Because it's a serious issue, actually. If you think about it logically, that you didn't pray a prayer, okay, and then you, uh, 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 you now you're awake and you're ready to pray, and then you don't pray immediately, despite the hadith saying, pray as soon as you remember, and you don't pray, that's a very serious matter. So if a person was under that severe stress, and he or she does something dangerous to ensure that they pray, does that make sense? I'm saying that you should try to pray immediately, but you don't have to do something dangerous to ensure it. Keep that in the background, Yani. So if you do need to have a little delay, then delay it. Oh, I think I know what you're... Sorry, uh, with that, I know what you're saying. Uh, Ibn Taymi, uh, Sheikh Ihlan did mention something from... <laughs> you're right. Uh, he's, uh, he told me a long time ago, and I didn't find it from Ibn Taymiyyah, but he quoted Ibn Taymiyyah as saying that when a person wakes up, there's no such thing as qada. Okay? And I teach this in Fiqh Salah as well. The difference between what we call qada and ada. Now, ada is when you perform something on time. You know, as we say in Urdu, namaz adakaru. Yeah? Do it. Yeah? And, and in Arabic as well. Yani hal salah. Yani have you done the prayer in its right time? So ada, okay, means the prayer which is prayed in its right time, in its correct time. Qada 
is the prayer which is prayed outside of its time. And then the third is Al-I'ada, which is the repeated prayer in the same time, which is also possible. You could pray a prayer twice. For example, the Hadith of Mu'av, he prayed with the Prophet ﷺ in Jama'ah, then he went and led the people in his village, all within Isha time, two Isha prayers. So what's the status of that second prayer? It's a repetition, I'ada. And if you pray the single prayer on its right time, like we just prayed Isha, that's, that's Ada. And if I didn't pray Isha until Fajr time, then that would be called Qada. Yes? What Ibn Taymiyyah said is that there is no such thing as Qada when you miss a prayer because of sleep or forgetfulness. Because he said, waqtuha, Which is actually a hadith. It's the longer version of this hadith that we're covering. The longer version of this hadith is that فَلْيُصَلِّيهَا إِذَا ذَكَرَهَا فَذَلِكَ وَقْتُهَا It's not been narrated here. So let him pray when he remembers it because that is its time. That's the longer narration. And Ibn Taymiyyah said that ذَلِكَ وَقْتُهَا What does that mean? What does that mean? If you take that linguistically, then it would mean that's its immediate time. Yes? But what if I say to you that we should take it technically? What would the technical meaning be then? Huh? No, no. No, 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 no. If we were to say that is its time, what does that mean? What does that statement mean? That is its time. It's allotted for that time. So what does that mean? What's the consequence of it's allotted for that time? What's the consequence of that? Because once you've gone out of that time... No, no. So you're out of that time now. So, So I'm saying to you that one interpretation of this is that you pray it, there and then. Yeah? What's the second interpretation? Can anyone think of a second interpretation? Same, same time as? Same time, uh, same time of day, the next day. Uh, that's also good, by the way. That's also, I, I, I like that. That wasn't the, the idea that I was thinking of, but that's also a possible uh, interpretation. We'll come back to that maybe at the end because there's something to do with that, yep. So you, that's the correct time. Which is Ibn Taymiyyah's premise, but then even, but, 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 but hold on. Let's look at it from a sin point of view. There's no consequences. For Is there any sin upon this person? No. No. There's agreement on that. Okay, there's agreement upon that. So what you say applies to any opinion. There's not going to be any sin upon this person. That is its right time. Yeah? The question is, is that, what does time here mean? I've given you one interpretation. That needs to be prayed immediately. What could be another interpretation? It's the actual time uh, period that you have for the normal prayer. It starts... Excellent. You get what I'm saying? No. What you have now is the time that you would have for the normal time prayer. Masalan, Fajr is how long to pray? An a half hour? An a half, yes? 90 minutes you have roughly to pray Fajr. Your 90 minutes starts now. That's Ibn Taymiyyah's interpretation. It's a risky interpretation, frankly. It's basically saying that that is its time. Like, so during when it was obligatory upon you, you had forgotten, or you were X, or you were asleep, or you were Y. Now that you've woken up, or now that you've remembered, for thalika waqtuha, that is its time. Meaning that now it starts, the time. And therefore, you praying in the first minute of it, or an hour into the hour and a half, that's, that's possible. What if it's something like Zawal time or something? So which prayer would that be? The Fajr example, again? So like, yani, what you mean is that the Fajr... Like you wake up, you miss Fajr and you wake up, yeah, and it's just at Zawal time, for example. 
So let me just say mention that what Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shankiti said, which there's no basis for, no evidence that I can see why he said this. But he said that for the Fajr prayer, the Fuqaha scholars before they said that a person has until the next time of the prayer comes in to pray that first prayer. They also were leaning towards Yaani Ibn Taymiyyah's position. But that's not Ibn Taymiyyah's position because Ibn Taymiyyah is saying that the Fajr prayer has a specified, specific time. If, that, if you say that a person has got until Dhuhr to pray, then that means that if a person wakes up at 9 o'clock and Fajr ended at 8, yeah, and he wakes up at 9, he's got another 3 hours to pray. Yep, according to that position. According to Ibn Taymiyyah, he's got an hour and a half. But he should pray immediately. According to our, our position and the majority of the scholars, person should pray immediately. And if there is a reason to delay, like a really pressing reason, then he's got a few minutes to delay if he needs to delay. As for that person waking up in Zawal time, all four Imams say that if a person is in a prohibited time and they need to pray an obligatory prayer, they should pray. Even in that, Even in that يعني, uh, haram time. That's the Hanafi position, that's the Maliki position, that's the Shafi'i position, that's the Hanbali position. I personally believe that a person, if he is confident that he's not going to pray, that he's going to pray, sorry, then he can wait for that prohibited time to pass and then pray. But my, my, my ruling is separate for certain people. So this is something which the Hanafis mention in their books. They said that you would not be so relaxed upon the masses. Because if they, if you, if you got a person, just a normal banda, right, and he wakes up, and he, and you say to him, it's okay, uh, uh, and this is a prohibited time, so wait a bit more. A person who doesn't pray regularly, to give them that extra kind of time is basically an excuse for them to not even pray. And there's a real possibility they will just say, forget it. Okay, and therefore that's why in the books of the Hanafi fuqaha, this is not, not hadith or anything, just fiqh discussions. They say that this person. He should not be told that and he should be allowed as a concession, almost like a fatwa, to make him pray in the prohibited time, get it over and done with because he's now, remember, he's feeling guilty now. It's only going to last a few seconds. Let him at least pray now. And I believe that. I, I follow that. I think that it's a case-by-case basis that if there's a person that you believe, it's like the same for the issue, for example, who misses Fajr prayer and uh, the Fajr sunnah. All right? So we now come to a scenario where a guy, he hasn't prayed sunnah or Fajr and he comes to the masjid. Okay? And he believes that the prayer, there's enough time. But, you know, he gets caught in traffic and when he comes to the masjid and he comes in, the iqamah has started. So now he's got no time now to pray the sunnah. Yes? Now, I cover this in detail in Fiqh salah and it's not now, but I'll just say that now what happens to these two sunnah? All the scholars differed. The Malikis, they said, don't come into the masjid and pray him outside. Yeah? As long as you can make the jama'ah. The Hanafis, they said, it doesn't matter whether you come in, whether you come out, Order is obligatory, and therefore you've got to stand in the corner and you've got to do it as long as you're going to make and catch the guy in the prayer. Whereas the majority of the scholars say the correct thing is that it's not possible to pray. Yeah, and it's very different to the previous scenario that we were talking at the beginning because that guy was praying already. Now he's about to initiate a prayer, which is a complete no-no. Complete no-no. You're going to initiate a prayer when the other one is tied? I get the fact that you're in the masjid and praying and the obligatory starts, but you're not going to start one? That's ridiculous. And therefore you now join the imam and now you've got to make it up. Now when do you make it up? When do you make it up? We know that the actual sunnah of the companions and, uh, and the position of Abdullah ibn Umar is, that, is, is, is this. If 
this person knows that he's not going to let shaitan yani, give waswas to him and he's not going to become weak and he's not going to be a fool, then he should pray it at his legitimate time, which is after sunrise by 20 minutes, at shuruq time. Because we know that it is prohibited to pray after the fajr jama'ah until sunrise. There's no, it's not allowed to pray anything in this period of time. After you've prayed the fajr jama'ah, fard prayer, until sunrise, this is a prohibited period. Just like zawal is prohibited. Just like sunrise is prohibited. Just like sunset is prohibited. Just like after asr, after you pray. These are prohibited times. Lesser prohibited, but they're prohibited. The only concession that you are allowed in this prohibited time is to pray those two sunnah if you know that I'm going to work now and there's not a chance in hell that I'm going to be able to get out and remember at 9.30 at Doha time to pray my two sunnah. So if I don't pray it now in this semi-prohibited time, I'm going to miss it entirely. So in that scenario, we say to this person, you do make it up. So then when you, when you see people, they stand up immediately and they pray the two sunnah, okay? That is them being allowed to make it up because we believe that they are not going to pray in this proper time afterwards. Because it's a prohibited time. If a person's at home and he's not working and he's ex and wife, if it's a woman at home, for example, no excuse. No excuse. They should then wake, they should, you know, it doesn't matter if they stay awake or not, but after sunrise, where you're now in the halal period to pray, it's at that moment that this person should make up the prayer. Does that make sense? Yeah? So we're giving two different rulings according to the likelihood of this guy coming good or not. And if he's not going to come good by praying afterwards, then we say, okay, you know what? You pray right now. And it's accepted. And we have many companions who would pray immediately afterwards. And that's the jamat. That's the reconciliation of everything. So the, uh, the ideal perfect time is after sunrise. And if not, we make him pray it now. Same when you apply for the Hidu Masjid. Why do you make it loud page? Uh, the same ruling applies for the Hidu Masjid. In, in what? In that. You know, after Fajr Salah to the sunrise in that time, if somebody walks into the Masjid that time. Yeah, I believe so. I believe. But then I believe that because I don't believe the Hidu Masjid is obligatory anyway. So if the Hidu Masjid is a Sunnah, then you wouldn't pray it regardless. And even if it's obligatory, then there's a lot of detailed rulings about whether it is. In principle, if a prayer is obligatory, it is permitted in prohibited times. That's a general basic rule. There's a huge amount of detail, but in general, obligatory prayers, if you hold the prayer to be obligatory, like a misprayer, qada prayer, a al masjid, for those who think it's obligatory, then they are permissible in prohibited times. Okay? Or should be done in prohibited times. Yeah. So say, for example, you go to a minute before Fajr ends and sunrise. Yes. And you do your first, so you do your first part of the... One minute after that. Yes. Yes. Should you then wait 20 minutes to do Absolutely. To repeat, repeat this question. If a person wakes up and has one minute now to pray Fajr before sunrise, first of all, do they pray Sunnah? Absolutely not. Sunnah is completely sacrificed. You have to get your obligatory prayer in. How much? As I said before, a couple of weeks ago, one unit you have to get in. Okay? You rush that one unit, you minimize it to make sure you get it in within the time, then let the sun rise. The next point is that the second rakah is prayed normally. It's not prayed in a minute. It's prayed over 5-10 minutes because you are now no longer under the prohibition. The sun can rise. The prohibition of prayer is not for the one who started the prayer. It's the one who initiates the prayer. It is completely impermissible to pray during that period of time for a normative person, normative scenario. Okay, But once you've started it, then you pray properly. So you might have not read a surah in the first one to make sure you get the obligatory part done of the first rakah, but in the second one you pray full surah, proper fajr prayer, lovely jubbly. Now when you finish, are you in prohibited time? You still are, of course. Is it permissible to pray voluntary prayers in prohibited times? Not at all. 
So, and not only prohibited time, this is a strictly prohibited time. You remember I said that there is, there is slightly prohibited or lesser prohibition and strong prohibition. The time between Fajr Jama'ah until sunrise is lesser prohibition. And then the sunrise 15 minutes itself, 12 minutes of actual sunrise coming onto the horizon and then until the disk clears the horizon, this is strong nahi. This is, this is, these, these are the times when the sun moves, these three times there, there and then there, that has been linked to the horns of shaitan. So they are specifically the mushrik times of, of paganism. Yeah? Yes? If you miss your um, sunnah prayer, yes. um, and then say you were busy with white red food, etc. Yes. Zawal or sunrise? Um, no, zawal. So, you're, so you're talking like five hours later? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, once it's gone, it's gone, isn't it? Once it's gone, it's gone. It's now reality of how it's prayed and where it's prayed. I mean, I'm giving you the answer now. You'd pray it there and then immediately. But that's what's going to be, well, next week? I don't know. A week after? We'll discuss tartib afterwards. Yeah, tartib means in order. Should it be before dhuhr, after dhuhr? Because that's, a, that's the point, right? If you're now in dhuhr time and you've missed the prayer, right? What should take priority? Yeah, that's the question that needs to be discussed, and there's a lot of detail to that. Yes. They said uh, different mosques around my house, and um, like different mosques. Yeah, different yeah. mosques in, in around my house. And one mosque, they the sunrise started five past seven, and the other one one past seven. And I woke up at seven. So can I pray best on the like five past seven? No, it's not permissible to choose yeah, at a later time yeah, because you've got two different timetables or three different timetables. I mean, obviously, these kind of you know, emergency situations are based on reality. And reality dictates that you need to look outside and see what, this, what the situation is. okay, Or to stick to the, the timetable that you normally use. But no, this wouldn't be one of the scenarios <laughs> where you can use the second the second timetable to give you a little bit of space. No, I think you should assume that early, if there was two timetables, or if I was using two timetables for some reason, I would assume the first one, the early time, not the later one. Definitely. Yeah. Is this, you know, everything here about you wake up and then you've got an hour and a half of budget? Yes. They offer a lot of complications, say you wake up at one o'clock. Uh, in the afternoon? Yes. Yeah. Are we saying now that this, this guy's got one and a half hours to pray budget? Yeah. So, so two things. Number one, I still am. Yeah, I still have to see this from Ibn Taymiyyah. Okay. Yes. So let's say I not miskin yani put wizard upon him. Yeah. Let's assume his position. Number one. Number two, I don't think it's a major issue because just the fact that Ibn Taymiyyah is saying that you've now got the time to pray, what will be normally the time to pray, does not mean that that means you have to affect dhuhr. It doesn't mean that you can't just pray after ten minutes. It's just saying that, that it's just an understanding that the meaning of the hadith for that is its time is indicating that it has a time to pray. And it doesn't, and if it became such a scenario where you woke up like in Dhar time or Maghrib time or whatever, whatnot, that doesn't necessarily change the reality of what's gone before and what is now. It's just a, a factual statement. You would still be expected to use your own aql and to put prayers in order and or not as, as we will see. Yeah. So my question, just going back for just is is actually, do you have to pray the sunnah afterwards? You have to pray the sunnah afterwards. Exactly. Absolutely. It is, it is clear that to make up the sunnah is a sunnah in itself. Even a couple of days later? Even a couple of days later. 
even a couple of days later we will we will and you know and that will definitely be next week's lesson about what is the issue of time and so on and so forth do time does a state of a person matter or not like you see this person here this person is not sinful there's a big difference between this person and Dave missing they're missing the prayer versus the issue that we're trying to cover which is sinful people who are not praying because of some reason Whereas a person who misses a prayer, I have to say I'm very sympathetic to Ibn Taymiyyah's position. Okay? I don't believe that a person who misses a prayer due to sleep, he prays qaza. I don't believe that. I believe that he's praying on time. But my definition of time is a safer definition, and Ibn Taymiyyah's definition of time is the legal definition. So he's basically saying that, because the Prophet said that if a person, he didn't say this person's a sinner. He didn't call himself a sinner, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He missed the prayer and he didn't call it qada. He just prayed it in his own time and so did the companions. That's the end of it, right? And he's made it very clear that if you miss the prayer then by sleep or by, by forgetfulness, then when you wake up or when you remember, then you pray it. So, and, and, and that is its time. This is not a sinful person. Yeah? And so therefore the ruling for this person cannot then therefore be analogible. Eligible. Is that a word, yeah? That's what I wanted to say, <laughs> analogized. But then I thought to myself, that sounds a bit yeah, and made up on a scrabble board, to be honest. <laughs> Last chance, yeah, and you throw of the dice, yeah. Right? To the scenario of a guy who intentionally misses the prayer. And Ibn Taymiyyah speaks about this. I've read myself, my own eyes, I know it's in the Fatah, yeah, about how much he differentiates between a person who doesn't know something and a person who does know something. Okay? A person who does know something, this is. I don't want to say this, but this is where knowledge becomes a burden. And ignorance really is yani, bliss. Okay? Ignorance, when it is bliss, it, it's, it's amazing. I mean, there are so many scenarios in the sunnah that we've seen. Okay? And maybe... And, uh, this is beneficial. If you want to write some of these, uh, these boys down, okay? This is something really nice. Ibn Taymiyyah, he really... You know when he goes in the zone and he's like... Duck, 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 knocking out example after example after example. So, for example... Uh, 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 a man came to the Prophet ﷺ, uh, in Umrah and he was wearing a jubba, yeah, and he had a, a, a cloak, full cloak, and he had all perfume on him. And uh, the, the Prophet ﷺ said, What are you doing? He goes, I'm making Umrah. He goes, Get rid of your jubba and yeah, he wash the khaluq uh, off you, the perfume off yourself, and do as you would in Hajj. And he did not command him to do a sacrifice. Why? Because he didn't know. The Prophet ﷺ, uh, Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab for example and Amar bin Yasir when they both woke up and they were in a state of Junab yes and they, had a, they, they needed to pray one Umar he did a ghusl and Amar bin Yasir he started <laughs> he said what well, is was obligated upon me so he started rolling around in the, on the, in the dirt and he's thinking that I've got to basically wash myself yani, in this manner the Prophet did not make them repeat the prayer even though the ghusl was not correct the uh, hadith of Khaytul uh, Abyad. Yes, that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that establish the the uh, uh, eating until you are able to differentiate between the white and the black thread, the white thread from the black thread at Fajr time. So he said, that's the ayah. And it's revealed and recited and the companion, what did he do? He, he tied a string to his foot and he, he would eat and he would look at the string. 
And basically, he would wait because it's dark. There's no, uh, there's no electricity, no light, whatever, whatnot. And he would keep eating and keep eating until he could see the string. So when he sees the string, then he stops eating. Because the black thread from the white thread, he can differentiate it now. Now that is a time which is significantly after dawn. Because that means that natural light has been able to flood in and he's able to see it. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw this guy, he said to him, what's that? <laughs> it's not a real thread, it's the thread of the dawn. It's the thread of the sky. And he did not command him to repeat the prayer. Right? And there are hundreds of examples like this. That if a person themselves are not aware or not wanting to do something because of some yani, you know, stubbornness, okay, then it's not obligatory upon that person. However, when a person does know and intends to actually pray, then they have to then do that. Okay? They have to, you know, a person does know something and they come to the Prophet, then they do have to make it up. So there's a difference, and that's why the sunnah here has to be made up. Because he knows it, he wants to do it, and it's upon that person, and there's no excuse. It's not like he's ignorant of it, it's not like he doesn't know about it, it's not that he doesn't know that the Prophet always made it up, so therefore he has to make it up. Yep. And then you wake up at four in the morning and then you've got two hours to Fajr. Yes. So you do your Hajj, you do your hotel, and then you decide to go back to sleep. Yes. And then you literally wake up with like five minutes after sunrise. Five minutes after sunrise. So Fajr time is now gone. Yeah. yeah. Is it for that or do you... I don't think that person is sinful for that if it happened the once and the twice. But if this person then starts to yeah, and you get into the habit where they are consistently <laughs> missing Fajr whilst waking up for tahajjud, then this person is fully sinful. Because he's prioritizing a sunnah nafil prayer over the obligatory. And, you know, once off we get it. But, yeah, how, how is that, that can't be allowed to happen again and again. Yeah? We've given up on this lesson, by the way. Yeah? So, you know, surprise, surprise. But you should be writing. There's lots of stuff there. Okay? Don't try, yani, don't try to yani, blag out of the lesson. There's a lot of yani, fiqh there. Abu Dhar has been writing a lot, mashallah. What during when he's been awake, I mean. Yeah. At the time, yeah, honest to God, watching Abu Dhar, please don't sit there ever again, bro. Honest to God, the guy's like this. And I'm like thinking, Bachara, Bachara, Miskin's had a tough day. At least sit over there and go sleep. That's all right. Miskin, Miskin. Adi, yes. With regards to our topic, Sheikh Islam in general, talking about his position, we mentioned about two things. One is immediately to pray. Uh, which uh, refers to uh, a panic, urgency, and so on. I wanted to give you 90 minutes. Is that, is that not referring that you know this person can do not just one uh, arkan of the salah only, but he can also pray the sunnah? So he's got enough time so he can do wudu, he can uh, do the surah, the fatiha, he can do all three tasbih, al-tarakul, and such that. What you just said there is assumed even if you say immediately. No, immediately would be like, you know, no. No. That's a very important point, by the way. Uh, let me give you an example. You know this idea that Maghrib, yeah, Maghrib, right? The hadith, of, have we, did we cover that hadith in this class? The hadith of the prayer times? We did, didn't we? The long hadith. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you remember that on the first day that Jibreel came and he led the Prophet in prayer, it was at Maghrib time. Yes? And what about the next day? Same time. And the Prophet said, it is because it's the same time. Right? There's no. So, so, my question to you how comes then that the scholars they gave this idea that a person can pray 
uh, uh, for 15-20 minutes. You know, like there's this idea that 15-20 minutes and then technically until Isha. So where did 15-20 minutes come from? If it's meant to be, if all the scholars are agreed, all of them are agreed that it is the sunnah to hasten Maghrib, to pray Maghrib immediately. It's a sunnah. Let me repeat that. It's the sunnah to pray Maghrib immediately. So where did 20 minutes come from? The Shafi'i position and the Maliki position on this is very clear. person has 20 minutes. Where did that come from when the hadith says same time? To make account for the things that are part of the prayer. So a person's got to be allowed to get home, allowed to shower, allowed to make wudu, allowed to get changed, come back to the masjid, blah, blah, blah. Yani there's got to be practical realities which are connected to the prayer. So immediately is a, a statement that a person reads in the hadith, and if they don't know about fiqh, they will just say it's only one minute long. But when they understand that, like I don't know of any scholar in history that ever understood immediately as immediately, because it doesn't make sense. Good, if you compare that to uh, just before sunrise, you're trying to catch the Fajr Rakai and yep. Salah. Yep. So you will be praying just for the Fatiha, Subhanahu Yes. Yes. And then the second Rakai will be taking easy. Correct. So the first one would be an immediate one. Yes. The first one is not immediate one. The first one, as we know, if we want to catch this prayer, we've got to get it in within the limit. Yeah. That's different to the, to the, to the uh, scenario of immediately. There's no hadith of immediately. No, no, no. There, no, no. You're, I tell you, now I understand what you're trying to say. But you're mixing up immediately, the concept of immediately, with a person who has run out of time. That's not an issue immediately. He has to pray immediately because the time is about to run out. And if he, we know that he's got to get a unit in, then you know, some person might take five minutes for their unit. Another person might say, I'll get my unit done in one minute. Yeah. You get what I'm trying to say? It's not linked to immediately that. Yes? Yeah, uh, you know the thing with like, if someone doesn't know about something and then like, they're better aware of something. Yes. So like, if you see a guy or something and it's like, say, like when people go to a call or a sujood, yes. and they find it Yes. 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 The prayer is still valid. We're going to be covering that in a couple of weeks' time, especially specific uh, Sitra Aura. But... But um, a person who has missed out on an obligation that they are not aware of, okay, and their prayer is valid, that they don't know about, and then it's obligated from that time on. Their negligence cannot be accepted from that person afterwards. Like if a person, he realizes, like, you know, that, I mean, he doesn't know, okay, because sometimes you don't know, right? But your, 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 your thobe or whatever has got a huge hole in the back. And so basically the top of your backside's basically been exposed like every time that you've been wearing it, but you never realized. That might not be possible. That's not possible. Not possible. Yara, Kasima came to uh, masjid the other day with socks and no one said any single thing. And then when I got home, Mrs. started freaking out. I said, what the hell's wrong, man? And she goes, have a look. And I'd look and the whole of my heel was out. <laughs> The whole of my heel, and then it I had a heart attack. That means I came to Fajr, and a good two, three lines, and I was in the front line, and I'm there praying with a full bloody heel exposed like a tramp here, yeah? and not a single person. They all, they all felt bestly shame for me. They didn't mention a single thing. The holy guy. Oh yeah, I'm a holy guy. Yeah. The wrong kind of holy. Yeah. Wrong kind of holy. Yeah. No one said anything. How embarrassing is that? That tells you so many things. How, how embarrassed the people were for me and didn't say anything. Yeah? Well, like, this is why if you love me, they're still embarrassed for me. 
No, they were embarrassed, Yara. One second. My bestie's been done. And, and that whole issue. And what about this point here? What kind of heels do I have that can't work out the difference between they're covered or not covered? The, <laughs> the heels, the haji heels. They're heels that are dead, gone. They are like stone and rock. Wallahi, she told me this on tiled floor. Alani custom, I didn't even know. Freezing cold tile floor in the kitchen. She goes, Mr. I said, what are you doing? And I saw it. Black socks as well. If it was like beige or whatever. Because mashallah, I've got beige skin, whatever. But I was wearing black socks. <laughs> Bro, there are certain people. I just want to say, if anyone saw Planet Earth last week, you saw that guy whose feet were burning. Yeah? Yes? This video was not actually... It was a representation of Abdul Pir Sahib in Hajj. <laughs> Miskeen, his chapel got stolen at a place where it was the sun was full on on the marble and it wasn't the white stuff that absorbs the heat. It's the brown one which is burning hot. White deflected. The white deflected. This one, he got absolutely burnt, Miskeen. Usman, he got burnt. His feet were burning and he was trying to lift his feet up. Like, basically like that lizard was. <laughs> and he was trying to give his feet some rahat and then someone gave him some cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. What did you do? You talk. I just want to say something, by the way. This is not even a fake story. Do you take your t-shirt? Oh yeah, he had to take his ihram. He had on, and tear it into pieces, and then like a proper rago, like bear grills. Yeah, he wrapped his feet in the flipping. Hope we gave a sacrifice after. <laughs> I I don't know about that, bro. <laughs> I don't know about that, bro. You took your ihram off and you used it to cover a feet. Yeah, where's the done? You were in men asleep and I was doing hajj. What's going on here? Yeah, I'm muting in the ranks, man. Muting in the ranks. Haji. Fifth question. Yes, yes. The person who sees him, is he compelled to tell him that? Can you give him a wedgie, also? No, <laughs> 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 you shouldn't be doing that anyway. <laughs> oh my god, give him a wedgie. My goodness, I don't know that face. And dunk his ears, man. Are you compelled to tell him that he's doing wrong? Yeah, it is, it is generally an obligation. I say generally because there could be some caveats, there could be some issues. But in general, it is obligatory to enjoin in the good and forbid the evil. Enjoining in the good is to educate your brother that this is an obligation in Islam. And a person should tactfully try to uh, express that. I prayed next to a guy, wallahi, in, uh, in Luton on Sunday. And he gave me shock ever, yara. I was there, I went into the court, my man went to that, and I got an I-4 behavior, bro, <laughs> of some serious catastrophe. It was a real disaster. And I said, Wallahi, I hope you hang around because you know what? I'm coming for you, bro. <laughs> and I swear, by the time I give such, the guy was gone. I was so depressed, yeah. But, uh, he doesn't repeat the Salah. <laughs> huh? No, he doesn't repeat the Salah. The person is not aware of that. He's so you said before about the towel coming from the navel to the knee. But yes. Maybe from the shoulder to the knee because the Salah. It is possible. <laughs> There's khilaf on this, but it's possible to pray. Yeah. You see, like, you know, the Prophet doesn't want Muslims, so if you say, like, don't, don't cover your back. Yes. So that it breaks your prayer, and anyone who sees it, it breaks their prayer as well. Ajeeb! Ajeeb! Yeah, and you know, 
Yeah, the only miskin guy for seeing it breaks my prayer as well. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? What's this? Is that not that double jeopardy? Yeah, what did I do, miskin? I'm an innocent guy, a simple guy. Astaghfirullahaladzim. No, 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 man. I refuse that. I refuse that. I say, not only is my prayer not broken, neither is my man's prayer broken. Unless, as I said, he's negligent. Unless it's very significant. Unless it's yani, shocking amount and it is uh, something which is done yani, continuously and he's aware of it. These are the three conditions. Shocking amount, continuously, and he's aware. Then it's something which is, which is, would definitely invalidate his prayer because it's from the conditions of the prayer. Same. That's meaning that if he's made aware and he's told, no, he doesn't need to repeat the prayer. That's the point. That's the point. He doesn't know, wasn't aware, and you're told afterwards, then a person does not need to repeat the prayer. That's actually Ibn Taymiyyah's point. Yes, yes, good. That's also, that's also good evidence. Not, you're not told to repeat the prayer, they were told to look away. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay, guys. We done? Zakmullah, yes, go on. MashaAllah. Zakmullah khair. That's very, very kind of you. Come on, Dad. That's unbelievable. What a The worst effort ever, man. You called it an effort. Right. So, announcements. I've got a few announcements, actually. Yeah, go on. What's that? Oh, right. Pass it around. Um, so a couple of announcements uh, number one is that next Saturday, next Friday so not this Friday next Friday we have uh, the launch of Fitna the proper class Fitna which is the Tafsir of Surah Ali Imran that's happening in London so anyone that you know of your friends and family tell them to go to that they like it a lot inshallah the weekend after that in Sweden so if you've got folks out there let them know about that inshallah and then a couple of weeks after that it will be on Jan 20th in Scotland number one number two Prepare also on February 11th weekend. Sheikh Yasser Qadi is coming to Manchester to teach No Doubt. So make sure people are aware of that. Number three, um, there are two Umrahs that I, uh, groups that I am leading, okay, that I want to confirm for you now. They are confirmed. The first one is with Al Maghrib, okay, and that is, uh, you can see the details for that under Blessed Voyage. And uh, it closes in four days' time. And that is leaving on the 23rd. Or 25th, sorry, 25th and returning on the 3rd, okay? And 25th of December and returning on the 3rd of January. And it covers the holidays and you've got some time as well. Um, so that's that. The next one will be leaving in the, the first weekend of the Easter holidays in April, okay? And that's at uh, hajwithae.com, okay? So you can find that there. So those, I think, any other announcements from events or anything? <coughs> any other announcements, Coach? جزاكم الله خير سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك اللهم وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم الله عليك سكارا ويا the best